Please join me in prayer. Holy Father, we have ears to hear and you are ready to speak. Grant us swift obedience as we take to heart very seriously the command to disciple the nations. We open our hearts to you and we ask to be set free from every drudgery and all that limits us from swift obedience. Let your spirit take charge of this moment. Let your word be planted as a precious seed in the lives of your people. Let it be watered still by your servants and by your mercy, Lord, give the growth to happen. Bring souls to your kingdom. This is your heartbeat, Lord. And use your servants, your people, for this great task. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, I will be teaching still on the sixth edition of the theme, Discipling the Nations. And the sub-theme today is Go. The disciples went out. Interest in missions is not an elective in God's University of Grace. It is something in which every disciple is expected to major. Please go with me to Mark chapter 16. And I will pay attention to verse 15 and other verses that would follow. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is a command from God. It is not an optional instruction. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. The word rendered in Greek as in Aristotel is a command. Go. No option is given to the listener. In the midst of excuses, in the midst of other preoccupations, in the midst of varied challenges, the command is go. The church of Jesus Christ, the people of God, must listen and pay attention to the fact that the commander-in-chief, the grand commander-in-chief, for that matter, has given marching orders. The marching order is to go. And in military terms and behavior, obedience must precede complaints. It is when you obey that makes you a loyal soldier. Obedience is not often easy, it is not often convenient, but it is a prerequisite in ministry enlistment. Everywhere you are seated as a Christian, you are a soldier of Jesus, you have been enlisted, and the commander says, go. The disciples of all the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 16, they went out. The idea of going out into the world in the midst of other reasons and facts brings to bear the following. Number one, winning souls or discipling nations is not a business that is carried within the confines of the worshiping community. 
it is a ministry that is accomplished outside of the four walls, outside of the faith community or the local congregation. It is located in the world. A faith community that is conscious of the command of the king, of the master, of the commander, is conscious of the fact that when they worship in the community of faith, they are only being energized, re-encouraged, rejuvenated, and empowered to step out. The work is not inside, it is outside. Number two, it brings also an idea of a revolution. At the time the commander gave this command, it was not a normal practice among Jews to go out and win disciples to become Judaizers or the practitioners of Judaism. Neither was it also the practice of the worshippers of idols or the idolaters, or the people that were out there worshiping other forms of religions. They never went out to actively recruit peasants into their fold. So Jesus, the revolutionary, has enlisted us as revolutionary soldiers to step out and do that which is uncommon. Friend, there's no reason why you will continue to tailor the excuses of the world. The excuses are being combinated. No wonder the command to go out has not always been an easy, obedient command for the disciples of Jesus, for the worshippers in the faith community. So it was in the early church. The people in the early church did not obey this command immediately. For many years, this was not carried out. The disciples stayed in Jerusalem. Friends, I want you to stay with me in the expression I have used. The early Christians stayed in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a symbol of religiosity. Jerusalem is a symbol of convenience. The comfort zone. The place where the people of God have often been. They enjoy the message of God. The healing power of God, the glorious gifts of God, the blessings of God, the beautiful songs and hymns of praise. They sing them and smile away. They share the food, the meals. They enjoy themselves. It is good to sing. It is good to enjoy. It is good to eat food and drink as gifts, precious gifts given to us. But these can be preoccupations. These can be limiting factors. These can be idle engagements. These can be distractions, distracting the valiant soldier from engaging in military pursuits and engaging in the confines of civilian pursuits. The Bible tells us that the early church was engaged in churchianity instead of Christianity. They were reaching out to their bellies their needs, to their church politics and clannish politics. Take care of the Greek Jews, not the Jerusalem Jews. Take care of your widows. Those were partisanship that were being practiced. 
the major commission was neglected. Barely politics was at the center. It is legitimate for you to have a good paying job. It is legitimate for you to pursue various things to make your life comfortable. But it's not a choice of either or. It is a choice of all put together. You must take the gospel along with you. And friends, I want you to stay with me. I'm not preaching a message of judgment. I'm preaching a message of encouragement. A message that will make you definitely uncomfortable, but it is to stay you up to action. Listen to me. You do not need to resign from the job you are doing to bear the gospel. If you've not been called to full-time ministry. But what are you expected to do? As a school teacher? As a nurse practitioner? As a medical doctor? As a banker? As a social worker, as one that works in the stores, as one that drives the trucks, those of you rendering essential services, those of you working from home, we have to engage creativity and innovation in the spreading of the gospel. We've got to make use of every opportunity. There are certain ethical codes of professional life that do not permit you to actively share your faith. But listen to me. As a medical doctor consulting in the consulting room, you have an opportunity to share the gospel. First of all, your practical Christian life. Secondly, in the expressions of your words, you could speak and attend to a patient in such a manner that the patient of her own decision can begin to inquire about your religious background, about your faith. At that point, medical ethics permits you to share who you are. Because it's a question from a client seeking to know you. You did not initiate the conversation of faith. And you should be encouraged and bold enough to share who you are. Then that is a great opportunity to share the uniqueness of your life. Let's look at an example, for instance. Somebody says to you, oh, doctor, you are such a wonderful doctor. You are not only to smile at it and say thank you for the compliment. You can as well add what's like, oh, thank you. You need to smoke the difference again. Oh, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. I got to know the Lord Jesus some years ago. My life was changed forever. And oh, I wish that everybody gets the experience that I have gotten. By this manner of interaction, friend, you have not broken your code of conduct in the medical ethics. But let's use that discussion I briefly shared as a prototype of a beginning point of evangelization, wherever you find yourself. We talk about COVID-19 and believers are greatly limited from even giving out tracts anymore. But I go to business offices and travel with people, and even when you go to the saloon to bob your head, cut your hair, people still give you their business cards. If one can give you a business card, why can you not give a gospel tract to somebody? Listen to me, friends. Let's not be locked up in a narrative. Being careful, but being stupid. Being careful, but being negligent. 
being careful and being absent-minded. Let's depend on the leading of the Spirit of God. Friends, get out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not where you should stay. Jerusalem is only to be a place of rejuvenation, a place you can be returning to. It is not where you should dwell in permanence. There is a way religion functions that it could be counterproductive in its entirety. It will lock you into a narrative that makes you feel good. You go through the motions of worship after Sunday service, you feel so good, you feel so wonderful. Throughout the week, you look forward to another Sunday service. That is a good thing to do. But that looking forward to Sunday service, and within the week from Monday to Saturday, you have no business praying for a soul, witnessing for, to a soul, and speaking to somebody about Jesus through a telephone call, through a personal interaction, through an issue of a track, through sharing a message on social media. Friend, you are disappointing the command that is upon it is time for you to shake the dust of religiosity. It is time for you to disengage. It is a time for you to disentangle yourself and go forward out there into the world. Jesus said, go out into the world. Listen to me. Anytime you feel too comfortable inside the church, you are inviting the Lord Jesus to kick you out of that state. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 11, the Bible says from verse 19, Acts chapter 11, from verse 19. Now, those who have been scattered, mark those words, those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, now traveled as far as Phoenicia. They went out into those places to begin to pray. Those that were scattered by the positive. It took the hand of God to stir up a scenario. Yeah, you will tell me, is it God that causes those problems? God could trigger off any event. God could draw these people. God could use whatever is possible to wake up a people from slumber. For this church, it was persecution. For the children of Israel, it was the attack of foreign nations. The people of God have often been obstinate. The people of God have often been absent-minded. The people of God have often been in love with the world. Instead of being in love with your master. Friend, when you are in love with the world, when you are paying deaf ears, God will open those ears. When you are blinded by your pleasures, God will take those pleasures away will bring tears into your eyes so you can cry and those tears can wash your eyes to see what he's showing you. I have not mentioned COVID-19, but your mind is going there. You are asking, could it be COVID-19 has come to jolt us to action? That is a possibility. It is a possibility, friends, because every challenge also has an opportunity. Whenever crisis comes, the Christ, the word crisis also can be translated as opportunity. COVID-19 has come. It could be the Lord is also using the pandemic to jolt us, to call us to order, to call us to duty. But do not always wait for a crisis. A crisis could happen in you losing your job. 
A crisis could happen in you getting into trouble. A crisis can happen in you being afflicted. A crisis can happen in something that is terrible, something that is not pleasurable happening around you. To call your madness to order, to call your mind to sanity, to call your attention to focus, to move your hand the way it should go, to cause you to wait for a while, to listen because the rustles and the bustles of life can be so overwhelming. The Bible says in the account of Noah, as it was in the day of Noah, people were getting married and giving their children out in marriage until the flood came. And they never had the invitation to get into the ark. Listen to me, friends. The word of the Lord comes to you today to call you to the fact that you do not need to wait for something to scatter you. When churches refuse to move at the impulse of the Spirit of God, they begin to have internal crisis. They begin to fight each other. They begin to struggle for positions. They begin to campaign for positions. They begin to do all kinds of things because their energies have not been channeled to the right direction. The enemy is giving them an assignment to carry on. This is their energies and decimating them. Some churches are folding down. Some churches are closing down. Unfortunately, some of those churches are connected with us. But there are also other churches that are growing up. The question is, why are other churches closing down and others are blooming and blossoming and increasing in membership? The secret, friends, is evangelization. When the church refuses to evangelize, the church begins to die. But the refusal to evangelize is a pointer to a deeper problem. It is a coldness towards the Lord. It is a living that is not the glory of God. It is a preoccupation in such things that are not in the heartbeat of God. And we can say very clearly by the testimony shown here in verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them. As the apostles 11, verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What does this leave us with? Mass conversions, the turning in of souls to the kingdom of God and to local congregations is not a possibility when the Lord's hand is no more with the people of God. The absence of souls added to local congregations is a pointer of a big problem that lies somewhere. When people only come as members by straying into the church community, by just seeing the signpost of the church and they come in there, not by the activities of committed people in evangelization, is a pointer to a big problem. And this morning, the word of the Lord says, God will always be with his people and will make it very evident that his hand is with them, our souls will be turned into the kingdom of God. Your ministry was blessed. It was multiplied. The result was that a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Friends, a ministry can't turn people to the Lord unless the hand of the Lord is with them. You can turn people to a personality without the hand of the Lord. 
You can turn people to a social club without the hand of the Lord. You can turn people to a church or an institution without the hand of the Lord. But you cannot turn people to the Lord without the hand of the Lord. Mark chapter 16 verse 20 says, The disciples went out and preached everywhere. This means that they didn't remain together to bless each other. They went out. Followers of Jesus should come together. They come together to properly equip them to go and to touch need, the needy world in the varied ways. Friends, you can touch the world by your good services, by social services, by gifts of help. But the primary place you are called to touch the world is to touch the world with the message of salvation. Preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel. You can only heal the sick, you can only address the poverty and minister to the bellies of people and for it to make sense when the gospel is preached to them. Why? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We need belief. The preaching of the gospel is not just one of the ways of winning souls. It is the way to win souls. Every other thing should be supported the preaching of the gospel. But none of those things can replace the preaching of the gospel. So, friends, whereas it's good you're giving out gifts of clothing, of food, of Medicare, and various concerns, preach the gospel. Everyone is called to that ministry. Charles Spurgeon said, the great English preacher said, I don't want you all to feel that it is not the end. Though it may be the beginning of Christian life to come and hear sermons, scatter as widely as ever you can the blessing which you get for yourself. The moment you find the light, and realize that the world is in the dark. Run away with your match and lend somebody else a light. Lend somebody a light when you find darkness surrounding the person. The great testimony of Mark in verse 20, the Lord walking with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. When we go out to do the work of God, Jesus will walk with us. The disciples did what Jesus told them to do in obedience to the command, and Jesus then did what only he could do, uh, the accompanying signs and wonders. As I conclude this teaching today, pay attention to what I will read regarding an army chaplain. An army chaplain once said to the Duke of Wellington, do you think that it is of any use our taking the gospel to the hill tribes in India? Will they ever receive it? The Duke replied, what are your marching orders? That was the only answer he gave. Stand disciplinarian as that great soldier was, he only wanted marching orders and he obeyed. And he meant that every soldier of, of the cross must obey the marching orders of Christ, his great commander. The gospel is spreading and will continue to spread. But are you a part of the army? 
What are you still waiting for? Will you continue to be a worshiper of the altar of self? Will you continue to be a disloyal soldier, ignoring the marching orders of your commander in chief? Indeed, in God's university of grace, every disciple is expected to major in missions, in fury, and in practical exercise. Enrollment continues. And both old and new students can only graduate when they step into eternity. The requirement for graduation and certificate of graduation are the souls that have been warned to Christ. The commencement of graduation ceremony will hold in eternity. Be there and be a prestigious graduate with your certificate of souls let us pray holy father what a mighty god you are you have so privileged us to be the heralds of the king a king that has none to compare with you are the greatest of all and we are so privileged to be not only your children and your servants, but your soldiers. Lord, you can depend on us. You can trust us. You can walk side by side with us. We thank you because your promises would never fail. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.